every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Annalisa Dominic, CMO at Open Gear. In this episode, Annalisa shares with us how marketing and sales work as one team at Open Gear, the importance of getting clear on your buying persona before setting strategy, and why she put Darth Vader in a photo booth. Annalisa also shares her experience being a disruptor in the marketing space and how she enables her team and encourages new CMOs to be bold and different. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Annalisa Dominic, CMO at Open Gear, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today we are joined by a special guest, Annalisa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Excited to chat about Open Gear, excited to chat about marketing, a little bit about your background your marketing strategy and everything in between. So let's get into it. What was your very first job in marketing? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Without giving away the year, it was leading the marketing initiatives at IBM and upstate New York. So I was responsible for Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse, and Albany in terms of, you know, email events and things of that sort. Yeah. Many, many years ago. And flash forward to today, what does it mean to be CMO of Open Gear? It, it means that I, I can help set strategy, I can help grow the team, and I can give them a permission to be bold and be daring, and it's okay to make mistakes. I love it. And we're going to talk all about those experiments right. and mistakes and everything here coming up. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given... You are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where you go and feel honest and trusted. You can share those deepest, darkest marketing secrets. Zooming out, what does Open Gear do? (laughs) So Open Gear is a network resilience platform. And in layman's terms, we basically keep networks running at all times in case of outages or first day deployments and things of that sort. So we basically are a network outside of the production network. And then we allow engineers to use our network to go in and remediate, to set up, to work with a separate network that is, is of course, connected and joined all together. But it's that's basically, in, in layman's terms, what we do. And who are your customers? Oh my goodness, over 75% of the Fortune 500 organizations use Open Gear. I'm really, really super proud of the logos that we have, we have as customers. And more importantly, we're proud of the fact that 
we have listened to those customers over the last two decades. So Open Gear is really built on the vision and the needs of our customers. So it's all customer-led innovation. And we're, we're super excited to know that that we're keeping many of those engineers, uh, you know, from doing a truck roll in the middle of the night and many networks up and running. And we're your like silent ninja or silent partner behind the scenes, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. But then it makes my marketing job a little more difficult, but that's okay. And what does that buying committee look like? Who, who actually buys the product? Our buyers are basically engineers. Mm-hmm. In some larger organizations, CIOs, CTOs, but for the most part, we have found that that our engineering community loves open gear. And, you know, if they leave one job, go to a next and they don't have open gear, they're always bringing us in. So we've been very fortunate to have this, this customer base that until I, I went to Cisco Live this year, I'm in, and it, mm-hmm. they're like, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love, I mean, the customer case studies that we can get from our engineering group is, is amazing. And it's, it's the first time I've been with an organization that has a customer that can, I can honestly say loves you. So it's mostly the engineering community. And occasionally we do go upstream. We are looking to go upstream as, as we continue product evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now it's the engineers, the network engineers. And what's your marketing strategy? My marketing strategy has always been to be a trailblazer. The marketing strategy itself consists of multiple components, everything from, you know, multiple campaigns to a product marketing team, to enabling the sales organization, to working with product to ensure that what they're developing is going out and on message. So it's, it's, it's a whole campaign of many different tactics but at the end of the day, it's just to be disruptive and to ensure that we're providing open gear with as many leads and as much business as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to get into you know all the nitty gritty of it, but it's it's all the major marketing components wrapped up. So you know, of course, we're looking at new technology and things, and we'll probably get into that. But that's it. I could bring yeah. up the slideshow or the PowerPoint if you want to see it. I know. So I'm, I might, okay. I might hold you to that. Uh, if you're going to offer, if you're going to offer to let me see. And how's your, your marketing org structured? How's the company structured to, to go get those accounts? How, uh, how does marketing and, and sales play with each other there? So marketing and sales are, are basically one team. And, and maybe we should start by my background. I sold, I carried a bag. I did product, I did product development. So I'm not a typical marketing person that has grown up in marketing. And I'm a proponent of supporting and providing the sales organizations with the tools they need to be successful. Because I was, you know, I've sold, I've, I've, I've lived that, I've breathed it. I know what that's like. Within Open Gear, I head up marketing. We have a sales vice president in the US, we have a sales vice president in EMEA, and we have a sales vice president in APAC. I run marketing globally. We mm-hmm. all report to the president. So we sit on the same team. We have basically the same KPIs, the same numbers to, to meet. And then within my organization, I've delineated the marketing organization. I've got products, product marketing as a focus. I've got the digital components as a, as a, a focus. I've got the analytics, it's a separate 
stream of work. I've got events and and web you know webcams and webinars and uh, podcasts and the whole nine yards separated. So I have found that by keeping those in those stovepipes, that's been the most effective. Obviously, we're talking daily, and the organization is small enough that we all know what each other is working on. But that's the way I have it organized. And I should say, I've got a person in EMEA. I've got somebody in APAC. So, and they're mm-hmm. they're basically running the country right now. And then we also have an individual who's running our channel. Channels are the biggest form of distribution for open gear. Yeah. Can you go into that a little bit into the, the channel approach now that's a little different? Yeah. So all products are manufactured and assembled in United States. We sell through our channel, our distribution model. We do have large strategic accounts that buy directly from open gear, but most of them are going through a channel organization. Mm-hmm. So therefore we have a separate marketing team that's dedicated to channel to running those channel marketing activities. And then we have a team dedicated to the open gear. So it's, it's more about branding and lead and gen awareness and stuff of that sort. So two separate groups all coming into, you know, one point and, and we've been hugely successful. I mean, the CEO has grown this business by gangbusters the last 10 years he's been here and it, it's, it's working well. Obviously, the channel will always want more resource and the marketing group will always want more resource, but it's it's being able to manage through that and to ensure that we're doing the best for the and most effective thing for the business. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Any other thoughts on just strategy generally or, or, or things? I know that- I think from know. a strategy perspective, understanding your audience and what excites them what keeps them up at night, understanding where they're spending their time. You know, walking into Open Gear two years ago was really interesting for me because I was more accustomed to dealing with that Mm C-suite and not so accustomed to dealing with the engineering teams. And I remember when I was new, my boss kept saying, Annalisa, these guys aren't going to be doing this, right? Like, you know, so it's, it's really being able to understand the buying persona, then creating the strategy. Because right. if you think you understand the buying persona and you create a strategy, it doesn't matter how good the strategy is. If you're not speaking to them in the right way and the right times and pulling all those levers, you're never going to be successful. So I think there, when you set strategy, it's also important to have that alignment with the sales organization. What's important to you? What are you trying to hit? What are your target customers? Who are your, you know, who are going to be making those decisions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's not just a marketing strategy. It's a business strategy. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that, that people make is trying to do, you know, roll out the play that worked at the last company and it's a totally different type of buyer, you know, Hey, this person doesn't like to go to events or this person loves to go to events or this person hates webinars and this type of person loves webinars or, you know, a third of the people really like webinars, but a third of them, you know, don't like that sort of thing at all. Or, you know, like whatever that thing is, you have to, you know, figure it out who they want to talk to, how they want to talk to them, when their buying cycles are like the more that you understand all of those things, you can, you know, craft a strategy and all of those tactics. But if you don't know it, then, 
you know, and I'm curious, like to you coming into the organization, having to learn all that stuff, were there things that perhaps the organization didn't know about themselves that you sort of uncovered in that, you know, quote unquote diligence process? Wow. That's a really good question. I think the organization needed to learn that it was okay to brag. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause my boss is not necessarily a humble person, but he has been so successful without being loud and bold in terms of like in your face. So I think that they had to learn that it's okay to brag. We are open gear. We are in 75% of the fortune 500. Hello. Do you know what that means? Like the, the value of that, we keep, Facebook and Apple and Microsoft and Google. I'm like, I could just, I could spit out all these logos that everybody would know. They were never accustomed to bragging publicly, mm-hmm. right? Well, maybe we'll brag in a boardroom, but bragging publicly and sharing this information and making people aware and comfortable with the technology, knowing that, yes, we're relatively a small organization, but oh my God. Our customer base is is something that any Fortune 100 would want. So that that's I had to get I got I had to get them comfortable with that. It's a really interesting point, and I'd say it, it also is a pretty common one when it comes to like you know product people. It's a sort of different type of a message where you know people are very much like the product stands on its own. Why do we need to brag about it? Why do we need case studies? Why do we need testimonials? Why do we need all this stuff? Like they're just going to see that it's better than everything else. Right. And it's like, well, there needs to be a story there so that it actually, you know, breaks through the noise. Otherwise it's just all kind of features and benefits and lost in translation. And and not only that, then why did you hire me? Right. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like seriously, why did you hire me? If you're not going to listen to me, and appreciate what I'm telling you, which they do now, but obviously things always, you have to prove yourself. There's always a, a point of that within a new organization. But if these companies just want to stay doing what they're doing, okay, you more power to you. But if you're bringing someone in to be a disruptor, then let me disrupt. I love that. Okay, let's get to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. This is where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Email. I think email has such a great ROI in terms of reach, in terms of click-throughs, in terms of quick and easy and quick and dirty. Emails to prospects, emails to customers, I think that is completely something that that we couldn't live without. I think that there are a couple of events that I could not live without, specifically the one we were just at where there was a whole community of engineers. I think that's important. And I, I think social social media is important as well because we're able to reach people we haven't been talking to. So those those are three pieces that I could not cut out of my budget and then people can disagree with me, but I have found those to be the most effective. 
Zoom down the events piece. Engineers, yeah. obviously, always a tricky group to sell to. Yeah. Fun, actually. I didn't realize how fun they could be. Oh, yeah. Like, literally did not know. Because we all think of engineers as like these, you know, these geeky guys that are sitting behind their computers, right? No, they're, they are fun and crazy and I love them and I'm grateful for them. It's like kindred spirits, actually. I think that it's, we all bring our work self to work, you know, and it's hard to bring, you know, the rest of you to work, but you can to an event, right? You can let your hair down a little bit and it's super important to create those watering holes that they can do that. And, you know, if you're the one who provided the drinks, like that's an advantageous place to be. Sometimes it is that simple. Create a space for them to congregate and, and serve the food and drinks. Or having Darth Vader in the booth. I had Darth Vader in the booth. <laughs> you had Darth Vader in the booth? That's pretty good. Where to God, had Darth Vader in the booth. Here's the interesting thing over the years. When you see stuff on paper... And you're like, yeah, and we're going to have these. I mean, I, I can talk to you about this whole entire campaign we did for the Cisco Live event. But when it comes down to on paper, you're like, oh, and Darth Vader will be in the booth. People are looking at you like you're crazy, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, trust me, this is going to work. And I'm going to have Darth Vader walk around the entire event space with a big sign that says join open gear at booth 7712, right? Like they're like, Annalisa, what is this going to do for you? Well, if Darth Vader is standing in my booth and I know that 80% of the attendees love Darth Vader or love Star Wars or love any one of those sci-fi action films, which people in research will tell you they do, and he's standing in front of an open gear sign while I take a picture. Do you know how far open gear is going to go? You can't cut open gear out of the headshot because you'll be cutting Darth Vader's head off. Right. They're like, so you intentionally put Darth Vader in front of an open gear sign? I'm like, yes, yes, yes people, yes, you do. So it's it's being like, you just have to... For me, my whole entire life was being, I'm different. I'm, I'm different and I own it and I love it. And it's a fact and I can't do like just plain. If we're going to do something, let's, let's try something new. Let's do something exciting. So I think that being disruptive and even if you make a mistake and you learn life is a series of mistakes. It's right. what and how we learn from them and what we do about them that make us good humans. So, yeah, we're having Darth Vader in the booth. It's the same thing back at IBM. Back in the early, early 90s, when I sent an invitation, uh, by mail, I sent out, not in white, hot pink. Hot pink mm -hmm. came in the mail for a product invitation, product launch. Mm -hmm. Who had the highest attendees? Hot pink. Hot pink it, right? Like, we just, just bend some things and try new things, guys. Like, just and don't be afraid. I mean, I think that the, the Darth Vader piece is, is really important. And especially when you're working with companies, as many of us 
are at times where they've been doing things the same way for a long time, or maybe they did something years ago that was cool. And maybe there's, you know, we've just been sort of trotting out the same old, same old that, you know, creativity yeah. is, is, is free. It's so important to, to brainstorm and to figure out those sort of things that are going to stand out. You know, that's like people talk about swag, like swag always works. If you have good swag, it always works. Ask me what I did. What'd you do? Since Christmas, I had this design in my head with the back printing. You know how the, you know how all the labels are doing that back printing on t-shirts now? So I'm like, I am doing one of those with engineers and open gear in the back and the material is going to be soft enough for an engineer's wife or girlfriend to wear to bed. That was that was my goal when I at one of my vendors sent me fifteen different shirts, and I'm like feeling all of them over Christmas, and I have all the kids like blind test feeling all the fabric because it's important. the 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 feel was just as important as the visual, which is just as important as how you're giving it how it's going to live and breathe and what it's going to be doing once it leaves your booth, swag works. And then I had networks need open gear on the front of it and lines out the door like crazy. It was, it was awesome. I mean, but that's not the create I've given away teddy bears mm-hmm. with t-shirts that have been so, so successful. You would never think at a CTO convention that they would line up for a teddy bear. Well, let me tell you people they love the teddy bear. It's either going to their wife, their grandkids, or their dog. But it's so funny because if you were to sit there and say, I'm going to cut my whatever, meta ad spend or you know Google ads by X amount of dollars, and we're going to buy teddy bears with that, people would think you're crazy. Like your, your CFO is going to think you're crazy. Like, <laughs> oh, the thing that the thing that I we can track dollar to dollar, whether or not that drives 1.35x incremental revenue, blah, 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 versus you're buying teddy bears. Like that is the marketer's plight, right? Is to try yeah. to convince them to like, try to yeah. figure out a way to show them that the teddy bear, that, hey, there's people lined up a hundred people deep to get these stupid teddy bears at our booth. You know, how many uh, people are they lining up to click on our ads? No. I have had so many conversations over my career with business people that it finally gotten to the point with me with then have they looked me in the eyes and go, I shouldn't have doubted you. Right. But it took a lot of battles and a lot of convincing to get to, you know, where I am today. Let's, I mean, my boss, my president would probably freak out. But at the same time, and even through even being on the ground with me through Cisco Live this year, he goes, okay, I'm starting to board the Annalisa crazy train. Said, <laughs> Good. Welcome aboard, right? Like, welcome aboard. But you know what, Gary? We got two times more leads this year than we did pre-COVID. Our email performed three times, our thank you email performed three times better than any other email did. Our click-through rate was three times higher. I mean, 
So you have to have crazy, but you got to be able to back it up was, I guess, the point I was trying to get to, right? Like, not crazy, but different. He does call it the crazy train. And my husband, before coming in here, goes, please don't tell people you're crazy. (laughs) He goes, goes, just tell them you, you know, you think outside of the box. I'm like, okay, I think outside of the box. But, you know, at the end of the day, you still have to prove, prove your worth, prove the value, prove the ROI. Nothing goes unchecked, you know, so just, just be mindful of that, right? You know, the vast majority of innovation comes from, you know, somewhere out of left field, right? And I think that with marketing, you are trying to zig when others zag. You're trying to think of things that is not the status quo. You're trying to do things where your competitors can't. You're trying to be where they aren't, but you're also trying to be where they are and be differentiated. Like that's a pretty tough remit. So, you know, like, you know, what's the ad? Here's to the crazy ones. Yeah, please. Let's drink to that. I'm serious. <laughs> so I'm curious, what, what is it about your emails that's working? Is it, is it that you change the actual emails or is it that, you know, the, this halo effect of the other things that you're doing is it's creating? the halo effect in this yeah. instance. Right. It was the halo effect of this campaign culminating in three different social media influencers and their reach, social journalism on the ground, video, professional video person, camera video, all of the social components, the LinkedIn posts and videos. Uh, So it was it was like the perfect storm. And they were people that were generally interested. And then we changed up the email format and I included video in it specifically because they open gear had a couple of years ago done an AB testing on it and didn't find it to be of any value. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're coming off of Cisco. We're going to have all this great footage. We're including that in this email. And it literally was, was really effective. So um, I don't think my next email I send out will have 30% open rate, but I hope it does, you know, But that's what a campaign, that's the value of a campaign. That's that's all the triggers that you pull that lead up to and create such stronger outcomes. Right. right? Yeah. Do you feel like it's all just a bit more connected and cohesive than it had been in the past? I always strive to be cohesive. I mean, just say that. That's the nice way of putting it. So, you know, even every header, every line, every character has to look and feel the same. Right. So, yeah. Can I say I love the, you know, networks need open gear, I think is is a is a great tagline. But I love the subhead of first day, worst day, every day. That's great. That's such good copy. Thank you. Thank you. My, my, my marketing director is phenomenal and he comes from an agency and he's, he's, he's awesome. And I'm going to make sure he listens to this podcast. That's It's brilliant. Copywriting It is very brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the thing I like about it, cause I, I have to brag on it a little bit because we're here and we invited you on the show, but so I love networks need open gear because it drives that that sense of value. Yeah. The, the, the value and and urgency, which is cool, but then having first day, worst day every day is something that 
it gives you that that sort of into the mind of the engineer who thinks about day one. They always think about day one. They always think about the worst day, you know, the catastrophic things. And then that just day in and day out, you know, I mean, obviously it's a network resilience product. So day in and day out, am I going to have that peace of mind? Am I going to have that? Like that's, that stuff is just great. Well, not only day in and day out, you can use it for testing. You can use it for, for other things. It doesn't have to just sit there. Right. Right. It's not just disaster recovery. It's not just when your network goes down. Are you people, I mean, you're investing in a network, a separate network from the production network, use it, right? I mean, I I could have hit them over the head and go, hey, don't let it sit there. Just, you know, use it. But yeah. And then of course there's applications for each instance, but I have a great team. And what I really love about, my team is enabling them to be bold and to be different. And even though my marketing director has the agency experience, he's always saying to me, at least I don't think we should do this, you know? So he is over here. I'm over here and somewhere in the, you know, in the middle is, is where we come to. So I think it's really important to have a team that's around you that enables you and keeps you grounded at the same time, right? So it's it's all about the individuality and the strength of the team being dynamic and unique and not looking, feeling the same. Like it's 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 important for us to always make sure those teams are different. Yeah, no, it reminds me of it's our amazing sponsor, Qualified, but not that this is a live read that comes later. But it reminds me of when I first talked to the CEO of Qualified, Craig, Who's amazing. And he was talking about just like this simple positioning of, hey, imagine if the CEO of your biggest prospect showed up on your website. What would happen? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, oh, the exact same thing that happens to anyone who comes to your website. Someone who's not trying to buy or someone who is screaming hot lead or someone who is the CEO, the biggest VIP ever. Compare that to when you're if that same CEO walked into the front door of your building, people would be like jumping up. They'd offer her, you know, a drink. They'd, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I, it, there's something so simple about sort of the like always on idea of, you know, like first time someone comes to your website, you know, the worst day for your website, you know, every day. Anyways, I, it made me think of, of qualified. Yeah. yeah. I remember that conversation. I just wrote an article on, marketing being impacted by data outages, right? Mm-hmm. So it impacts all of us. It's not just the engineers, but imagine we just did a, did a study. It's thousands of dollars for one minute, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for one minute of an outage. Oh, yeah, our, I mean, I mean, if you're a D2C company, like, look out. I mean. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's it's important that, you do something about it. What's one thing that you might not be investing in as much going forward? Don't ask a marketing person that. How about my shoes? Can I say that? My shoes? Yeah, you could say um, that. Um, I know where I want to spend more money. Yeah, well, tell me that then. Oh, well, I want to spend more money in partnerships. So all of the activity associated with that. I want to spend mm. more money with the analysts. Mm. I want to spend more money in creating more video. 
definitely more video content. Mm-hmm. I want, I think I'm going to keep my Google spend where it is because I jacked all of that up this year, a, a good 20%. And I want to spend more money in a couple more larger, you know, engineering focused events and what those mm-hmm. are right now, I don't know. But if we walked away from Cisco live with double the amount of leads pre COVID and I've had five demo request since that, which has only been like four business days, that ROI is pretty, pretty well set. I, I think that I'd also do more, like to do more thought leadership. Now I know that the engineering guys are our predominant audience, but I think that we need to, to be talking up market. We need to be bragging about mm-hmm. having 75% of the fortune 500, right? So oh, yeah. it it's, it's that kind of stuff through those triggers I just said, I think will help. And of course, we're going to keep doing what we're doing because it's been successful with some tweaks. But yeah, that's that's what I'd like to do. I love it. How do you view your website? That's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one of my bigger spends over the next 18 months. I, I, I think that it... Uh, the chat function needs to be improved. I think some of the other components could use some sprucing up. And I think that there's some technology gotchas with the current platform that need to be addressed. So that is definitely something on the list. And then trans, you know, that over to mobile kind of funky for me. So it's, it's the big number one spend for the team over the next 18 months. Cool. Okay, let's get to our next segment, the dust-up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. We talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitor, or anyone else. Annalisa, have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? When I think of dust-up, I think of one of those aha moments. Or those moments you look back on and you go, I knew I was right kind of thing. (laughs) Mm. So you know how we've been talking about when I come to the table and I'm definitely not, uh, you know, I definitely approach things differently. So back in the day when I was the product owner, you know, because I've had product development, product Mm -hmm. management experience. I was the owner of a brand new MVNO we were producing a product to sell into the Hispanic market. And I did tons of research, understood the best I could, the culture, had Hispanic people on my team, looked at all of the different triggers and did all of the math on which rate plan are we going to do, A or B. And I knew in my heart that was the one we needed to do. So I stood before CFO, you know, and all the other folks on the leadership team at the time and said, okay, these are our two choices. Let me tell you a choice I think we should do, you know, and presented the presented B, explained why. And those son of a guns chose A. Long story short, Within 13 months, we were closing the doors. 
Mm. Right. So then fast forward a few years later, we all get together for dinner and the CFO puts his arm around me and goes, I should have listened to you. And I look at him. I'm like, Uncle Lou, oh, my God. Yes, you should have. He goes, I should have listened to you. And he goes, I hope you learned a valuable lesson. I'm like, yeah, I'm always right. And he's like, no, that's not it. You know, he's and he explained to me, you know, how to ensure that I'm always bringing the most data I can and the story behind it. As you, you know, we were mentioning before we started recording, stories are the best. Stories are what we learn from. It was nice to hear him say I was right. It was sad to hear him say I was right because I didn't want to see us fold. But it was a big lesson for me. When you know you're right, get the supporting data, which I thought I had all of it, and really fight for it. And so that was that was a dust off aha moment for me in my career. One of a many, but I figured I'd share that one. Love it. Okay, let's get to our final segment here. Quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers. Just like how quickly qualified.com helps companies generate pipeline, tap into your greatest asset, your website, to identify your most valuable visitors and instantly, and I mean instantly, start sales conversations right there on your website. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Go to qualified.com to learn more. They're our best friends in the whole world. Go to qualified, check them out. Do a demo, go check out the product, Pipeline Cloud's here to stay, it's here forever. Go to qualified.com. Annalisa, quick hits, are you ready? I think. <laughs> Nobody's ever truly ready for quick hits. Um, number one, what's a hidden talent or passion or skill that's not on your resume? I'm a Reiki master. A what? Yeah, I'm a Reiki master. What is that? You'll have to Google that. It's a hands-on... Healing, Reiki, oh, R-E-I-K-E. Oh. Can you imagine me putting that on my resume? Come on. Yeah. Wait, are you sure it isn't on your resume? It's not. It should be though, right? Uh, energy healing technique. I'm, all right. Good, good. Yeah. Now we're talking. The East Coaster. So I learned something new today. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite book, podcast, or TV show that you'd recommend? Ted Lasso. Love it. Love, love, love. Although I was so disappointed with the last season. Don't, don't, no spoilers. I'm not. I'm not quite finished. Okay. Okay. Call me when you are done. (laughs) Right. That's right. Yeah, it's a great show. Do you have a favorite non-marketing hobby that maybe indirectly makes you a better marketer? I love gardening. Hmm. Yeah. I love to garden. I have, I think like 53 houseplants. And then, you know, during spring, summer and fall, all the outdoor gardening, I just, I love gardening. What advice would you give to a first time CMO who's trying to figure out their marketing strategy? Be bold, be different. And interestingly enough, you're not going to solve everything. So we all, we all walk in going, we're going to solve, you know, world hunger. You know, actually you're not. I think that you also need to be a partner with the rest of the organization. So be a partner with the sales 
organization, be a partner with the product organization, be a partner with the engineering group, you know, that will help, help you determine where best to set strategy. Yes, you will know everything, but it's also good to know what they, they know and what they're doing. So partner with the rest of the organization. Annalisa, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show. For our listeners, you can go to opengear.com to learn about them. Go give your engineer a, a nudge. If you're in that 25% of the Fortune 500 that don't use open gear, what are you doing? That's my question for you. To fix yourselves and make sure your engineers are, are, are up on the latest open gear greatest. Annalisa, any final thoughts? Anything to plug? I'm not going to, no shameless plugging other than I had a great time and thank you for everything and good luck to everybody out there and uh, maybe we can do this again. Indeed. Thanks again and take care. Thanks again to our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.